It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornstein. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornstein. I'm a senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church right here in Colorado Springs. I'm thrilled that you're tuning in again today. We are continuing in our study as we examined last week, part one of how old is the earth? Now, the reason why we're talking about that today is because we began the study a few weeks back as we were examining even some of the famous atheists, individuals who thought they had the answers to life, and as they were breathing their last, there was hopelessness. Rather, as believers, we have a great hope, a hope in Jesus Christ our Lord. And so after that study, we began to to dive into apologetics, and we began with the study on the awesomeness of God. And that led us to last week as we started to look at all of the creation that's around us. And so we want to continue that train of thought here today to help me do it in the studio as always. Dr. Steve Ford is back with us. Dr. Ford, welcome back to Engage in Truth. Thank you, John. It's great to be back. This is such a terrific topic. And once again, all about glorifying our creator, an amazing creative force. And we've just, mankind has just begun to scratch the surface of the, the creativity of our Heavenly Father. Amen. And it's, I, I just really appreciate you doing this study and revealing for us and to us the Lord's creativity. And as we move forward with this study, I think we're going to continue to just experience uh, more of Him and be able to glorify Him in that creation. Amen. Amen. And, you know, we've talked about, the, I know, just the goal here is that over the next couple weeks, uh, you and I geek out before the right. program probably for several <laughs> hours as we just talk about uh, the That's splendor so of God and what limited knowledge we have of him right. as we look up and see the heavenlies and all that he's created. And we'll be talking about quantum mechanics yeah, and the good. physics of things. And we'll get into that over the next couple of weeks. And people may be listening to this going, That's not quite the Christmas message right. <laughs> that I thought you might be airing this time of year. But really, the intent here, it, it, we'll get into that. We yep. will have a couple of weeks as we talk about the Christmas season and the, the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But as we talk about the awesomeness of God, even before the program, we were just basking in his glory of the 8.7 million species on this particular rock and and yet everything else that's around us as we send probes to Mars and all throughout our solar system, they're just as not what we would have expected to find. It's something unique about this created state of this planet we call earth and it all bears to the glory of who he is yeah billions of galaxies each with billions of stars Uh as we talked about before once before this is it's interesting that the uh the earth is just in a particular place and in the milky way galaxy for us to be able to observe the universe it didn't have to be so but it is we just happen to be in a perfect place to be able to observe and glorify in God's creation, not only on our own planet, but throughout the galaxies. That's right. And, and all of us really came back to our study as we were looking at Peter and his word to us to always be ready to give an answer for the right. hope that's in us. That's right. And and as we start to really succumb to the things going on around us and perhaps our, our limited purview of things, we can fall into that dreaded word depression Definitely. when we take our eyes off of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave all for us and our identity in him and all that he wants to to show and reveal to us in this life and beyond, uh, we can find ourselves just losing sight of our purpose right. when we have forgotten who he is and our identity in him. And, 
and the joy that we have in, in the discovery right. of all that he has for us in and through this life and beyond. And really, this is this life and this flesh is very temporary. And what is beyond, I believe, will just make all of us yeah. pale by comparison. Exactly. I, I don't think that's just a belief of mine. I think scripture supports that evidentially, Definitely. that it is awesome yep. what is to come. Yeah. And so we were talking just a little bit before the program of taking us back even to Romans chapter one. That's right. Uh, Dr. Ford, do you have that handy? Maybe you can share with us uh, and we kick off our show this, this day with that. Yeah, I think this is so perfect for our discussion today. Romans one twenty, the apostle Paul, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Mm, amen. It is. It all points to his handiwork. It does. Uh, you can't look at the complexity around us, the, the detail that is in the human body. Dr. Michael Behe said, who's a, in his biophysics study, was telling us that the human body is more complex than the entire ecological system of the earth. So you look down and you see the majesty of God. You look yeah. up and you see the right. handiwork right. that Everywhere is before us. Of through his. a microscope or a telescope. That's yeah. right. <laughs> we are living in his canvas and it right. is spectacular. And we're told in Genesis 1-1 that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It all starts there. If yeah. we don't believe that, then the rest of the handbook that he has given to us of the 66 books of the Bible and its 1,189 chapters are irrelevant to us right. then if we don't start at the same baseline that he breathed it, he spoke it, he yeah. created it, and he's the author of all life. Yeah, I think we were discussing before the show that with science now, it actually takes more faith to believe that there was no creative force in mm. the universe than that there is a creative force in the universe. Even if you're just going to go to that point, there's so much evident of, evidence of an intelligent designer that there is mm. a creative force beyond all, beyond all these behind all these things that we see. That's right. Not You'd just have chance. To believe that nothing created something far more complex than right. we've ever been able to emulate or reproduce. Right. Uh, and that's that takes great faith, then, I think, to do that. You have to believe in a first mover yeah. and an intelligent designer. His name is is Yahweh. Right. And that's what we're he really here to celebrate on Engage Amen. in Truth. And so from Genesis 1-1 to Genesis 2-25, we have 56 verses that give us the account of creation. And Dr. Ford, we were talking about this, that my, my intent here is not to um, take away from somebody's deeply held beliefs, it, but rather to hopefully get them to examine the atemporal nature of God who can breathe without even a second going by the most complex things that you could ever imagine. He needs no time. Right. He's not limited to time. He is superior to it. So the idea of going back even to a six literal day creation is just to bear witness of the majesty of God. But as we were talking about before the program, somebody may believe that the creation period was rather lengthy. And this is not right. a litmus test then of their salvation, sure. but rather to bask in the awesomeness of God. And to rather just celebrate him and say, he's a God who could have created it all, in my humble opinion, in right. less than a second. If, right. you ever can, if you could even measure it, uh, he that's can right. do that. That's, right. that's who he is. Yeah. And so we celebrate that. But before I share some of those theological reasons, I'll just kind of, I want to throw out here in our limited time that's at least 10 of some of the discussion points I've had with folks on why I stand with the, uh, the idea of the six literal days. Because as we talked about last week, we went through about 5,945 years of human history that would include even the six literal days. And that is shocking because that's not as old as perhaps we've been told. Whether it's in a classroom or from friends, family, uh, we have a perspective that this type of complexity that we live and breathe in had to require 
thousands, millions, billions of years. And so my heart in this, again, is not to make somebody uh, stumble in their faith, but rather to bask in the glory of God. Amen. And so let me just throw out a few. Here's a here's 10 that I've often cited before, but uh, the first I mentioned in the broadcast last week about some of the ways we can see patterns uh, not only on our earth, but uh, across the solar system and beyond that seem to point to the evidence of a very young creation, not just earth itself, but everything around the earth, that all this complexity is actually very young, uh, is, a, is a possibility that I, I hold to that belief. But uh, for example, the sediment accumulation on the seafloor, one example, every year about 20 billion tons of dirt and rock from continents is deposited on the seafloor. Yet, what we find globally is it's no more than 1,300 feet in depth, and we should be seeing about 250 times more than that of the sediment accumulation if the earth were more than 10,000 years old. If that type of consistency uh, stayed through as we've been able to measure it, it should be a lot more than that. Uh, Another issue that's come up are the bent rock layers, and rock layers thousands of feet thick have been bent and folded without fracturing. Now, if they were laid down separately over hundreds of millions of years, they would have already been hardened and that whole sequence could not be measured in that way because they would have been deposited over stages. But rather, what we're seeing here is something that happened very quickly and possibly even under a year In fact, if we look to the global flood that took place over a period of 377 days, uh, even though it were aimed for 40 days and 40 nights, you see that they're on the ark, and before they finally depart the ark, it's about 377 days. And some of that may be reflective of the polar cap shifting. You know, we talked about that, the the polar cap shift theory of uh, rather it's 23 and a half degrees, whether God just kind of reached out and... You know, turn it, and, <laughs> and the, the whole Earth's and ecological state was changed. Um, number three, soft tissue in fossils. Now, this is a fun one. If you ask the average layperson how he or she knows that the Earth is millions or billions of years old, inevitably the subject of dinosaurs comes up, right? And I was, I'm fascinated with dinosaurs. I mean, as a kid, I, I even had a stomach of a stegosaurus. I mean, still had the skin <laughs> so cool. and the rocks and everything. I, I don't know how they knew it was a stegosaurus, right. but it came from Grand Junction, mm-hmm. and I collected all sorts of fossils and that sort of thing. So I, I, you know, that just fascinated me. But bone slices from the fossilized thigh bone, the femur of a Tyrannosaurus rex, was found in Montana. And to the amazement of everyone, the bone showed what appeared to be blood vessels of a type that was seen in bone and marrow. And these contained what appeared to be red blood cells with nuclei, typically of, of reptiles and birds, as you might expect. But it contained what appeared to be flexible tissue. And the, in fact, there was one particular mummy, uh, an ice man that was found in the Alps around 1991. It showed similar evidences to that T-Rex. And that particular body was dated to around 5,000 years of age. And so you, you still have what appears to be relatively young uh, soil or fossil or even bone marrow samples in something as large and magnificent as, as a Tyrannosaurus rex. How about the faint sun paradox? Evidence now supports astronomers' belief that the sun's power comes from the fusion of hydrogen into helium deep in the sun's core. But there's a huge problem. As the hydrogen fuses, it should change the composition of the sun's core, gradually increasing the sun's temperature. 
So if true, this means that the earth was colder in the past, which is not what the fossil records show us. In fact, the earth would have been below freezing when life supposedly was evolving. And that doesn't even take into account the size of the sun, the age of light that's reaching earth from other stars, the age of comets, or even the dust levels on the moon. I remember reading about that one when they went to the moon, they were expecting several feet of sediment and and, and soil or, you know, however you, right. moon dust. Sure. That should have been there, and it's actually rather shallow, and that was somewhat surprising to all of them. All of it pointing to a young universe, not just a young Earth. How about number five, the rapidly decaying magnetic field. Now, the Earth is surrounded by a magnetic field that protects living things from solar radiation, and without it, life couldn't exist. And that's why scientists were surprised to discover that the field is quickly wearing down. It all points to an earth and magnetic field that are, listen to this, only about 6,000 years old. How about helium and radioactive rocks? When they were drilling in this pre-flood granite rock in New Mexico, geologists, they extracted samples of zircon and they were in these crystallized forms. And these crystals contain not only uranium, but also large amounts of helium. And the hotter the rocks, the faster the helium should escape. So researchers were surprised to find that the deepest and hottest zircons at about 387 degrees Fahrenheit contained far more helium than expected. Up to 58% of the helium that the uranium could have ever generated was still present in those crystals. And helium diffuses so rapidly that all the helium in these zircon crystals should have leaked out less than a hundred years, a hundred thousand years rather, after they had been formed. Uh, so again, showing that it was all very young. And these pre-flood rocks have averaged a diffusion age as they measure it of only about a 6,000 years, give or take a couple thousand years. And then we've got the carbon-14 dilemma. Oh, this is a good one. Uh, carbon-14 or radiocarbon is a radioactive form of, of carbon that scientists use to date fossils. But it decays so quickly with a half-life of only 5,730 years that none is expected to remain in fossils after only a few hundred thousand years. Yet carbon-14 has been detected in ancient fossils supposedly up to hundreds of millions of years old ever since the earliest days of radiocarbon dating. So listen, if every atom in the whole Earth were carbon-14, they would decay so quickly that no carbon-14 would be left on the earth after one million years. So again, we have a hard time then measuring when the measure, the stick used here, is skewed. Number eight, very little sea salt in the sea. Now, some 458 million tons of sodium mixes into the ocean water each year. But only 122 million tons, 27% is removed by the natural process that God has put into place. So even with all the, variable, all the variables in this that are proposed, the measure of the salt in the ocean suggests a very young earth. In fact, at number nine is the ancient bacteria like the Lazarus bacteria that still contain DNA. Even evolutionists agree that no DNA should exist in these samples due to the deterioration rates. And then number 10, fossilization. When we examine the evidence, we find consistency with the fact that life began suddenly and later was fossilized suddenly. 
So we don't see even in the layers of strata in the earth, some, some earlier forms that evolved into another form. It's a spontaneous birth of life that's captured. Mammoths were frozen with food still in their mouths. Fish in the process of consuming other fish. Leaves perfectly preserved. We even have fossils of octopus. Now the tentacles with the suckers and all, all still intact. So not only did that bring the octopi up in the evolutionary cycle, if you will, but it found them, you know, all they were discovered in these younger sedimentary, uh, sediment sources. So it all demonstrated the sudden climate change that occurred, both refuting the evolutionary timetable and giving evidence for the flood simultaneously. And that's what it does. When we look for these things, what we see are the evidences of the, of the Bible is accurate. And all of this history then demonstrates for us that this is a young earth. In fact, we, we see is when we look back at human history, in fact, we rarely find much beyond 4,000 years. And we did a study even on this program about the alphabet. That's a really fun study of where did the alphabet come from? We went from cuneiform tablets all the way to now sometimes just the spontaneous existence of a complex alphabet as we know it today. And that didn't come about till around 1440 BC, just 3,460 years ago. In fact, the Germans had no written language until the 4th century AD. So did God sit back idle for thousands of years while he watched life on earth like a terrarium for his amusement? Or is it possible that life since the Garden of Eden is only a 6,000-year journey and we're not that far removed from Adam after all? I mean, we think about here in Colorado Springs, how much everything has changed just since when I was in high school, Coronado High School. That's right. I am a Coronado High School graduate. And uh, I can think about when we were, uh, you know, Powers was like the outermost yeah, out edge there. of the it's city. Kansas. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like going to Kansas. <laughs> now it's like the heart of the city. And when you think about all that's changed in Colorado Springs, what we have to remember is it wasn't even part of the United States. Colorado wasn't even part of the United States until 1803, just 218 years ago. And yet it can feel so long. There are sheds in Europe older than the United right. States of America, that's right? right? So when we don't understand the infinite nature of God, we try to add more time to his creation as to trying to fit the construct of what we can rationalize and wrap our finite brains around. And honestly, I'd be disappointed if this three pounds of tissue between my ears could figure out the infinite of God. I mean, there are 21 million people with degrees in science and engineering, according to Science Magazine. So the collectiveness of the 63 million pounds of organ tissue still can't understand the infinite right. of God. Scratching the surface. That's, that just yeah. points to his awesomeness. That's yes. the way it's supposed to be. So if parts of the scripture are left to interpretation, then the whole thing can be subjective and inconsistent. So the whole point of all of this is to point back to what God said we can believe, even if it's so hard for us to wrap our minds around, because when it comes down to it, we need the consistency through all 66 books Otherwise, it's left to the imaginations of men. So when Christ said he was in the tomb for three days and three nights, I can show you the evidence for that. It was exactly three days and three nights, not Friday to Sunday, but rather when we understand the feast and the structure of the feast, it was exactly three days and three nights. And so the same Hebrew word yom is given for day. The word day comes from the Hebrew word yom. It's also used of Jonah in Jonah 1.17, and Jesus cited Jonah in Matthew 12.40 to say that as Jonah was three days and three nights, he was three yams 
in the belly of the fish, so will Jesus Christ, even spoken in the Greek, would likewise be exactly three days, 24-hour periods. And this is so critical that they had to know what a yom was because that word is used 2,301 times in the Old Testament for a 24-hour period of time. And that was critical to keeping the holy days. All of the feasts of God revolved around the exact measurement of time. Now, listen, I believe, and Dr. Ford, we were talking about this before the program, that God is not limited to space and time. Right. I mean, he created time. He's outside of time. That's part of what we're going to get into our physics study and have a blast talking about that over the next couple weeks. But listen to these powerful texts, Jeremiah 23, 24. Can a man hide himself in hiding places so I do not see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill the heavens and the earth, declares the Lord, Jeremiah 23, 24. He fills it all. Where can you go where God is not there? Proverbs 15, 3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, watching the evil and the good. And then we see in Colossians 1.17, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. It's the fool who says in his heart, there is no God, according to Psalm 14.1. So what we find is time and time again that God is outside of time. And I believe that everything is in measures of seven. In fact, in the book of Revelation, you'll find a hundred sequences of the number seven. So to suggest that possibly the earth is 6,000 years of age, almost at 5,945 years, give or take, that we're approaching six, that Jesus will be Lord of the Sabbath for a thousand. You have a one-week period of time. A day is but a thousand years, a thousand years but a day. And that was always the appointment, a one-week period of time in the heavenlies. And even that, I mean, we talked about it before the program, you could have a billion years in a second in the heavenlies. (laughs) I mean, he's just helping, I think, our finite minds to wrap around the infinite. And we get some of that from 2 Peter 3a, but beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord, one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Psalm 90 verse 4, for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past and like a watch in the night. So we get these amazing sequences of scripture And all of this is really to point to the omnipotence of God, that that's how awesome he is, that 8.7 million species, he just breathes it, and it is. The complexity of our DNA, it just is, because that's who he is, and he created as himself. He is the creator. Yeah. Well, even like you said, even if we just look at the microscopic level, when we look in the human body and that we function within a very narrow window, you know, if you have, your brain is making too much dopamine you're going to wind up being schizophrenic right. if you don't have enough dopamine you're going to have parkinson's disease yeah. you know our ph of our bloodstream where our enzymes function our electrolytes all these things function within a very very narrow window for us to be able to exist for organic life to be able to exist so yeah. even as we look deeper and deeper within our own bodies like the you know little science fiction where you, you you shrink and you go inside a body and you see all these amazing things going on there's an amazing world within us that just glorifies the creativity of God. We don't have to look outside, even within us, even every breath that we take, every beat of our heart is a miracle and a testament to the creativity of our Heavenly Father. Yeah, so this is not a program to beat somebody up about. You must absolutely believe this to be considered a Christian. Uh, We can be, what makes us a Christian is the work of Jesus Christ, who atones for us by himself, through his blood, 
in his giving of himself on the cross. And when we celebrate Christmas, of course, we're celebrating the greatest gift that's ever been given. And so we can be brothers and sisters and yet still disagree on some of these things. These are not the, this is not the litmus test of salvation. But I think that over the next couple weeks, Dr. Ford, I mean, if people will just, if they could just be a fly on the, on the wall and hear what we've already been talking about as we've been thinking about the next couple weeks and just talking about the physics of heaven and really all of that is to give us such hope. And it's the type of hope that I carry into a funeral service that when a believer has graduated from this flesh, I want them to see that what we're reading in Revelation of Revelation 7 with a number so big that can't be counted around the throne of God, worshiping him day and night, that it's almost a past tense and yet future tense for us. How can that be? (laughs) It's almost as if we haven't caught up with the reality that is going on around us in the heavenlies. A finished work already that we haven't yet caught in up to because we're limited to this measure of time, exactly. right? A sequence of right. events that have to occur in this physical creation. We're going to talk about more on that. Yeah, I hope I've at least piqued so your interest. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I sure hope that has piqued people's interest because it's going to be incredible. As you're talking about that, it just reminds me of Paul, I have not seen nor ear heard nor entered into the heart of man what That's God right. has prepared for us. So Amen. we are going to see and experience some amazing things in the future as we just spend eternity with our God. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope you've been encouraged. And if we piqued your interest of what we've covered over the last few weeks, even perhaps you missed one of the prior broadcasts. Well, you can go back and listen to it again at calvaryfountain.com. There we have the archive of all of these programs and more. This is a ministry of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. We're so glad that you were listening today. If you are looking for a body of believers to worship with on Sundays, our services are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sunday, and we'd love to see you there. God bless you, my friends. Take care.